In the Pesukim in our Parsha where it talks about marriage and divorce, so it says if a man will take a woman and be with her in an intimate way and, and then they decide that they want to get divorced, so she, he should write her a divorce and she should leave and she can be married to another man. From this Pasuk we learn the three methods of marriage which is kesef by transfer of money, star through a document or intimate relations can also affect a marriage, be, make a marriage happen. Now also there are three ways in which it can be done but the minig, the widespread minig is as the Ramam says to marry with money or with a valuable thing as we do with a ring which is val- has value as money and that's how we do marriage. So therefore this must be, there must be something about marriage through money which is unique to marriage and that's why that became the widespread minhag. At least in the pnimi yonim, in the inner dimension of marriage, it's, expresses, it's expressed more in the idea of money being transferred. The Gemara has, t- uh, we learn it from Kiyikach Ish Isha, that's one place that we learn that it can be done through money, but the Gemara has another way also, another method of learning that you can marry through money, which is the Yatsav that talks about a Jewish maidservant. That the one option is that the, the person who acquired her as a maidservant should marry her. But if he doesn't want to marry her, then when the time comes that she has to leave, she should leave without any money. There's, she doesn't have to pay anything in order to leave. So from this the Gemara learns there's no money for this person that acquired her. But the, somebody else who has jurisdiction of, over her would receive money. And that means her father, if somebody wants to marry her, then they have to transfer money, in the case of a minor, to the father. And so from this we learn that when a woman, a young, a woman wants to get married, there is a transfer of money. That's one of the methods. Now, there are two ways in which we learn that you can marry a woman with money, and there must be something about marriage which translates differently to each one of these psukim. Depending on which pasuk you learn it for would be another dimension of the marriage. To explain. The Raghachaba has a question that he, that he poses as follows. When you say that money is given and marriage happens, there are two ways that you can look at this. Either when you give money, the woman receives money, therefore that causes the marriage to happen. The money is the cause, the marriage is the effect. Or you could say the opposite. When a woman accepts the, uh, the proposal of marriage, the act of marriage, therefore she acquires the money that the husband gave with that uh, proposal. It's the marriage which causes the uh, acquisition of the money. The Raghav says that from different places in the Gemara, you could learn different, it seems differently. And he gives two examples. The Gemara says that if, a, if talking about a divorce, if somebody threw a get to his wife and it landed closer to her, if it landed closer to her, then she's divorced. If it's closer to him, she's not divorced. The same is also if he married her through, uh, with a document of marriage. He threw it to her and it landed closer to her, she's married. And the Rishonim say that the same would apply also to money. If he threw the money to her, and it landed closer to her, then she acquires, then she's married. The marriage happened. Now from this we, sh- we can see that it's not the money which causes the marriage, but the marriage that causes the money to transfer to her. 
Because when you throw something to a woman and it lands clo- closer to her, but not within her immediate vicinity, which means Dalad Amis, within her Dalad Amis, she doesn't acquire that money. The money doesn't belong to her. So how did she get married? The answer is because when it lands closer to her, she, she becomes married. So therefore now she owns the money as a result of having become married through that money. So we see that it's the marriage which causes the uh, transfer of money. On the other hand, we find the Gemara says that even though in general, a general principle is of teich kidei dibur, that if you say something and you, within a small span, what the Gemara considers teich kidei dibur, that it's, you haven't really finished speaking yet, you can still withdraw what you said. You can undo what you said. But it doesn't apply to marriage. It doesn't apply to Kiddushan. So the Rajbam describes what does it mean it doesn't apply to Kiddushan. If a man gave a woman money and he said to her, you should hereby be married to the, by this money. And then immediately changes his mind. And he says, no, never mind. Let it be a gift to you, but let's not be married. The halach is that they are married. So the question is, why does the Rajbam describe it that way? Why doesn't he say, if a man gives money to a woman and he says, you are hereby married to, her, to me, and then he says, never mind, I want the money back, the marriage is no marriage, nothing, everything is null and void, give me back the money. Why don't we say that's how you can change your mind? The answer is, because it would seem that because when you give the woman money, you can still withdraw from giving the woman money. You can say, never mind, give me back the gift. It's a, by other areas, we do say that applies. And therefore, if somebody gives a person a gift and he says, never mind, give it to me back, he could still say that. So if the marriage was affected through the gift of the money, when he says, I'm undoing the gift, that should undo the marriage too. So then why wouldn't it work? So from this we see that it is the money that causes the marriage. And that's why he has to say, he wants the money to continue. He doesn't want to withdraw the money gift. He just wants to withdraw the the marriage part of it, and that can't be done. And And therefore, because he wants the money to remain with her, it's just that the Kiddushan he wants to withdraw, that you can't do. You can't withdraw Kiddushan. But from this we see that it's the money which leads to the marriage, not the opposite. When you give her the money, it, if you undo the money, then that would undo the marriage. Then we see that's the money which causes the marriage. And one could say that the, the difference of how you look at it, whether it, as the Raghachava asks, is the marriage the, the source and the money the result, or is the money the source and the, the, the cause and the marriage the result, would depend on whether you learn it from which Pasuk you learn it. If you learn it from Kiyikach Ish Isha, from our Pasuk, from our Parsha, so then the focus over there is the man is giving something. The man is doing the, uh, acting the marriage. He is affecting, effectuating the marriage. Whereas by the Pasuk of the maidservant it says, there is no money that belongs to this to this master which means the father who stands in the place of his daughter so we're looking at it from the perspective of the woman what she receives that's the difference between these two psukim how does it affect us if you learn it from where the focus is the man so therefore he is the one that's effectuating the marriage 
And therefore, because of the marriage, of what he did in order to effectuate the marriage, she receives the money, she acqu- acquires the money. If you learn it from the other Pasuk, from the Yesh Kesef Lodenzeh, it seems that we're pers- the, the Pasuk is focusing on the woman ex- receiving the money. So it's only when she receives the money, then the marriage can happen. So therefore, it's the money which initiates the marriage. So that's the discussion of these two things according to Nigla. But since everything in Nigla is a, evolves from its spiritual origin and the Pnimi so we have to see how these things affect the true, the marriage which is the paradigm. What is the paradigm of all marriage? Is the marriage between Hashem and the Jewish people. That's what marriage down here reflects. Between a man and a woman is Hashem the man and the Jewish people the woman. In the, there are two components which make up marriage. One is that the wife becomes the wife of this husband, and it also means, therefore, she cannot be the wife of any other husband. She cannot be with any other man. She is only his, exclusively his, and has to, is reject, so to speak, all other marriage, all other men. In the marriage between the Yid and Hashem, what this means is, there is the desire of every year to become one with Hashem, to be cleave and become united with Hashem. That's the marriage aspect. And then there is that we reject all anything else that would interfere with that, which means attachment to worldly matters is by definition a interferes with your attachment to Hashem, as it says, that it's impossible that a person should have love of Hashem entrenched in their heart if they are if they are in love with worldly things. The two don't go together. So you have to reject worldly things. And that's why the main, the primary way that you didn't get married is through kesef, through money. Because kesef means, it comes from the word nichsef nichsafti. It describes a love that there is between a yid and Hashem. And that's the main, the primary purpose of the marriage between the yid and Hashem. The avayd, loving Hashem. So kesef, the money aspect, represents the love that there is. Kiddushin, which is another word for separation. Kaddish, holy, means to be separated from ordinary things. So marriage is made up of kesef, love of Hashem, and rejecting everything else that, in, that would not go along with that. So the question that the Raghat Shabbat poses, which comes first? Is it the rejection, the kiddushin that comes first, or is it the money that comes, the love that comes first? What he means to say is, there are two ways that you can accomplish this marriage. One is, first you have to reject all love to worldly matters, and then you can hope to be in love with Hashem. Or is it the opposite? You fall in love with Hashem, and because of that you reject all other th- anything that would uh, interfere with that. Now, a normal Seder Aveda would obviously be that you have to first reject anything which interferes with the love of an Hashem and then to be able to grow to a love in, with Hashem. But a Seder, uh, an Aveda which transcends logic, which we generally refer to the Aveda of Kabbalah Seil, which means not because I have come around to see it that way, but because I submit to Hashem. So you could submit to Hashem with love, in love too. I am in love with Hashem, not because my, I have refined myself, but because I insist on being in love with Hashem. And then eventually that could also work its way down into your heart and soul that you should also come to reject anything that interferes with that. And therefore, if you learn the laws of marriage through money, through kesef, through love, 
from the laws of marriage. In, the, in our parsha, the context of this whole discussion is in the context of marriage. The context of Kiddushin, which means that Kiddushin, the rejection of the worldly things, has to come first. If you learn it from the Pasuk of Amma Evriya, where it talks about uh, slavery and being uh, indentured and so on, that talks about the Avaida of Kabbalah soil. From that perspective, you can also jump on, the, on board and go straight to Kesef, straight to love of Hashem, and then eventually make your way down to refining yourself to the point where you reject all worldly matters as well. And one could approach this on an even deeper level, which is that obviously, logically, you would say that if a person is still connected to worldly matters, literally, that you still pursue uh, bodily uh, pleasures and so on, it would be very difficult to develop, almost impossible to develop a love for Hashem. So therefore, a person that is still in that mode would have to start with first rejecting that. But then there is what's called the Amma Evriya. Chassidus explains that an Amma Evriya means someone that he's already finished with bodily interest. He's already refined his nature to, be, to pursue greater things. But he's still connected to his nature that there are certain things which, he, which he's driven to do and certain things which he doesn't do. His nature dictates how he serves Hashem. Even though he's refined his nature, but it still dictates... The uh, ultimate of Aveda is that you have to reject, you have to change your nature. You have, can't serve Hashem only because nature decides that way. You have to be able to serve Hashem even if it supersedes your nature, even if it goes against your nature. And that kind of transformation is what Chassidus calls the Aveda of an Amma Evriya. She transforms things in the home. She takes ordinary ingredients and makes a tasty dish out of it. A complete transformation. That's what Amma is and represents. So when a Yid is on that level, that that's the kind of transformation he needs, that's the kind of rejection he needs, there you can hope to also rec- reach that level after you've developed a great love for Hashem, it's possible to change your nature, and that would be a more reasonable expectation where this Avaidah could happen that it's uh, when a person is on the level of the transformation of Amavriya is what he needs. But, the Rebbe says, that in the end, every Yid in their soul has every single possibility of every single Avaida. And Hashem expects everything. And therefore, it's within the ability of every Yid to be able to jump forward to the love of Hashem and then deal with rejection of worldly matters as well. And if we do this Kiddushin, in the proper way during Golis, which is called the time of Ederson, when the Jews are married, but not yet completely united with Hashem, like it happens in the Suyin. In the second stage of marriage, we will reach the Nisuyin, which happens when Mashiach comes speedily in our days.